Welcome to Peaceful Power Conversations. Peaceful Power Project is a wellness podcast which focuses on mental, physical, emotional, spiritual health and well-being. And I am so grateful to have Radizia Lazari here today as a guest. I <laughs> we were about to begin what probably would have lasted the entire time I booked her for. <laughs> And we almost began to just start catching up. So I figured we might use some of this space to connect and catch up and then explore. Oh, <laughs> I did um, on my run this morning and 80% of my runs are mindful movement, but I do love me some podcast consumption of my own. Um, it's just my time. And I listened to a couple of podcasts that you were a guest on this morning. So I thought I, I mean, I never really think too much about how the conversation is going to go since it's organic, but man, there's one thing that I am just because it speaks so much to my heart that I am going to ask you to share about that you have story told in a previous podcast. I was just so inspired and I just feel like my audience needs to hear it though I will link that podcast episode too because basically every word you spoke was golden and um you're like which one was it (laughs) um and it's fun uh having also this podcast will be available not only on Peaceful Power Project Apple Spotify all the all the places but we're also doing video and I, I just come over to YouTube and see the video. Just put in Sarah Granado, come, come see the video because I love your space. And we were talking about environments, um, but your space is just like, I feel like home. My space is our blank yoga space with my daughter's gymnastics mat leaning against the wall. I was like trying to cover an outlet. And now I see it does not cover the outlet. Um, But now I'm even more like I'm inspired to talk about mindfulness related to space and creativity and and all the things. So without (laughs) any any further ado, um, I'm going to read your bio and then allow that to kind of I had never done that before. And I started to think that people put time and consideration into this bio um it's a pause and and obviously we'll because mindfulness is a big part of both of our existences um I do like the random like who are you (laughs) what do you do but I also I love reading people's bio so so here we go um uh Radizia Lazari grew up in Switzerland and now works as a mindfulness teacher and author in the United States. I'm going to stop. I want to know where you are right now, but I'll I'll continue with this. Um, it looks beautiful if I'm like seeing outside. Um, throughout her life, she has the opportunity to be in touch with various cultures, religions, beliefs, and worldviews that supported her vision of the relevance of being human. Her curiosity about people and relationships has always been her passion. Her mission became to help people find their way to being themselves while existing in social, relational, natural, and educational structures and limitations. 
something in here speaks to me really profoundly for what I'm presently going through. Um, she believes the key to success in life is to be yourself and find a way to move with the complexity of being human and building deeper connections with one another. I love it. And it's so beautiful. And, and again, like not in comparison to other bios, but I love, I mean, I, I suppose it does say that you're a mindfulness teacher and author, um, but mostly as your mission, your purpose, and your passion. So that was like such a beautiful bio. Um, where in the United States are you presently? Um, and anything you want to add to that 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 feels like um like a who I who I am, uh like almost like a self-introduction and welcome. I'm so happy you're here. <laughs> well, first and foremost, thank you so much, Sarah. I mean, we go back like 10 years plus, and I mean you were there at the in inception of my journey on this path for sure uh, and i'm sure we're going to get into this i am in new york in valhalla actually to be exact which is a very profound name to me i i really love this space not only the name but like what it just emanates and you're actually the first person that's reading my bio out loud i have written this for my first book that i wrote back in like almost a year ago and uh it moved me it moved my own words moved me i mean <laughs> i don't know what that says i guess i really wrote what i felt uh yeah that's all to say is that i am extremely passionate so i think i felt my own passion <laughs> coming through my bio so thank you so much for reading it of course and i could see it in your face as well um so it's really beautiful um, yeah, the the we go uh, way back. I think we have to add like five years to your math. Really, <laughs> it's been that yes. long. Yeah, because um, I've been in Florida for ten years now with a child, and then I mean we have to go back to probably um, like two thousand nine. I don't know. You do some math there. Yeah, but... no, you're right. Two thousand nine. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> just I was like 10 years ago. Oh my God, you're right, 14 <laughs> years. Oh, yeah, so, um, and uh, you did share that we met at the, did you say inception or conception? Inception. <laughs> okay. I don't know which one is better. But, <laughs> but um, of what has become uh, the evolution to, to what you're doing now, what was that time and place? Um, so it was a yoga teacher training, right? You were a teacher there. You were teaching. I don't exactly remember what your part was that you were teaching to us. I believe it was in some shape or form to yoga postures uh, and some other shape. But I don't that I don't <laughs> remember. You were there most like through this whole uh, journey. And it was a time when I didn't know what I'm supposed to do. And I was helping out an, a friend of mine a year or so prior uh, when she got her certification. And apparently I was saying something to my then boyfriend, now spouse, how I wanted to do something like that. Or that I thought yoga is a nice practice or something like this. And he was just pointing out after I haven't found a job 
my mom defines that time as me being depressed, um, just trying to figure out my way through these, what you also read in the bio, these structures and limitations that I found myself in not finding a job and just having a real hard time moving from Switzerland to the States and not being able to just apply to a job and get an interview and having to learn the complexity of what it means to be human, right? Like it's not just who you are, it's what you are and what certifications you have. And I think that was really like, a, it threw me off. Like that was never something I considered be a problem. Um, and that really taught me. So being in that time frame and then brought to yoga uh, was like the eye opener. And I think it just um, signified why I wanted to stay focused on human being human than focusing on certification, even though I was getting a yoga certificate. Um, it was about the journey that I was really mesmerized and amazed by that brought me here 15 years later. Right. And so I think that's that sums it up. Beautiful. And. I, I honestly, I love how you're like, I don't remember your part. And I'm like, I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just know that um, getting to be part of other people's journey, I, my biggest memory um, of what set me on this path and oddly enough, very similar to your journey. Actually, I haven't checked in if you're teaching like yoga or postures or movement or your focus is now mostly on mindfulness. I'm going to pause there. Um, how did your yoga teaching experience go and then I know that uh, at least the title the the one kind of job or title in the bio was that you are a mindfulness teacher um I want to pause there before I I get too too caught up um did you transition from like physical yoga practice into mindfulness what was uh that either shift or growth or again evolution into being a mindfulness teacher it definitely is the, it begins with a foundation, right? My foundation is that wherever I put my attention to is where I want to be focused and determined. And I've noticed when I started teaching yoga, I taught yoga in different places. I was at like um, athletic clubs. I was teaching in Central Park to like private people that I knew and was trying to build it. Uh, and I realized that I personally wasn't practicing yoga. And I know that this is true for many yoga teachers that they don't get to have their own practice. And so for me, it was just like, even if that's the truth, this is not what I want to do. Like, I don't wanna teach someone something I'm not practicing. And so I really moved away from the asana teaching. I, I'm still willing to teach yoga but I will always integrate more mindfulness because I feel like I want to teach something that I can apply every day, everywhere, wherever I am. And it's not limited to what clothes I wear, what tools I have and in which environment that I am in. Right. And so with mindfulness, it doesn't matter where I am. I can practice this all the time, anytime. And I can remind myself when I'm off the practice and when I have to be in the practice and yeah again yeah and so the though my component probably was in my initial draw to the yoga practice 
was honestly how good the physical asana made me feel. And I think a lot of that had to do with how natural it came. So for example, my like grown up physical practice, like right now is running and it doesn't come easy. And I love that. But at that time in my life, for me about, you know, 17 years ago, when I did my teacher training, uh, it came very easy. So everything, you know, it was very much in alignment with what felt good. And at that time in New York City, <laughs> trying to figure it all out like you, I, I was like, yes, this feels good. But how I was um, struck by the power of mindfulness was in my teacher training, we had to do these little like practice teaches. Like you sit down and you practice teaching a little part of the class. And I had breath work or centering and had all the, and, and I love, you know, teaching people in teacher training because everyone is there like just open hearted, like ready, ready for it, for it to experience it. Close your like tall spine, close your eyes, take a deep breath in, a full breath out. And I could see everyone's foreheads get smoother, everyone's jaw drop, everyone's little, I don't know, I feel like everyone was young, maybe they didn't have eye wrinkles, but like everyone's face just smooth out and everyone's neck just relax, everyone's shoulders just settle and everyone's heart just soften. Like the transformation of breath or bringing the mind to breath, bring the mind to something in the moment um, was so powerful that I feel like that was the seed that was planted that's transformed my journey into more focusing on mindfulness because I do teach yoga, but I also support people on their walking journeys and their running. I love movement practice and I love the photo that I'm going to use for this podcast of yours because when I see it, it is joyful movement. It's not a static. So I also want to explore that uh, with you, just what, what mindful movement is but we must pause and define. I'd love to hear your de definition. What's mindfulness? You know, a few minutes in, you know, we're a few minutes into the conversation and this is like a huge passion and purpose of ours, but what in the world, <laughs> Radizia, to you, how would you define for our listeners mindfulness, your experience with mindfulness? I just put it very bluntly you know i just say it's being present in this moment with what is without judgment that's it that to me is mindfulness and i think that alone especially the judgment part is its process already right it's like so there is nothing else we need to add yeah and I, perfect absolute <laughs> simplicity and and that's it um so um but then why, <laughs> with that simplicity, for so many people, that idea of being right where we are with whatever is, why for so many, and I am going to speak for so many because I've worked with so many, why is it, this is the feedback I get, why is it so hard, do you think? Why does it even have to be a practice? If it is the most natural essence of being to just be where you're at, like, why do so many people struggle with it. Why do I struggle with it? Because <laughs> we have a brain. We have a brain that creates thoughts and that we are 
an excellent source of creating stories in our lives. I mean, just the other day we were watching TV and my husband tells me, he's like, isn't it interesting how anything related to stories people just do, like watch movies, like even games that have stories. It's like there was some other example, books, right? Like we're just getting so drawn to stories. And we know we have proof. People like Kendra Hall is someone I really admire talking about stories, right? Like we all have our own stories and we are mesmerized by people's stories, but they're happening up here. They're not happening in real life, in real time. There's something that are happening in the past or something we anticipate and hope and expect to happen in the future. And there is the downfall already because the moment I am too consumed with what happened in the past or the worries or the hopes for what's happening in the future, I already lost it. And it is extremely difficult. Like, you know, I'm no saint here. I'm challenged with this every single time, but I have to remind myself, is this just a thought that I'm having or is this really how I'm feeling? And then when I'm feeling this way, that usually, and obviously when we talk about trauma, that might not always be what's really true here in this moment when we're feeling things that could be something that has happened in the past and yet i still believe when we connect to our emotions is when we can be truly here and make changes that will support us how to make us feel better and i think that's yeah that's a little bit of the challenge i see as a human <laughs> absolutely and what struck me i'm going to see what part of it exactly um Oh, help people find their way to being themselves. So in my mind, even just talking for and and watching uh, your videos and your Facebook group and how you express and communicate. And like I said, the podcast that I've listened to, um, like how to be yourself, how to connect to this moment. But then I read the part that says, uh, while existing in social, relational, natural and educational structures and limitations, the only thing I read in there was how to do this when your kids wake up in the morning. <laughs> so <laughs> I know that you're a mom too. I have a feeling our kids are similar in age. How yeah, mine is turning nine. In okay. And my nine-year-old will be 10 soon. And then I, my seven-year-old will be eight soon. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, the practices, um, of mindfulness of you know that awareness to check in is this a story is this now is this um why is this resurfacing what is it and i do that um as opposed to just kind of you know oh it's not present let me stuff it away it's i i do spend some time in in processing but these magical morning practices <laughs> and then all of a sudden uh, the energy, or I'll even say in my workspace as well, um, is how to maintain, not like you said, I'm no saint. So I don't want to, you know, appear as if I'm just sitting on a rock while like my kids are throwing their stuff everywhere. And like, where's this? Where's that? You laid it out the night before. Um, and, and all the things uh, with any other, we'll say out, outside stressors. Um, 
so I'm not, I don't have expectations of self to sit on a rock while everything around me like is happening, right? Chaos. Uh, but I am curious uh, from mom perspective or just as a human existing with other people in this world, um, how does your practice serve you? How, how do you maintain um, because my example is like my morning practices with movement and breath work and gratitude. And I could, and I could have the like calm face and the soft shoulders. And then all like so quickly I can be shaken into um, dysregulation. And, you know, I, I would love to hear your either experience with that um, or perhaps some advice because I'm sure my listeners <laughs> can also relate. And I'm just disclosing some of my my own story there. No, great. I mean, yes, children are always going to be a challenge because it's one, we want to care for them. At the same time, we want them to be on their own. And then we find ourselves being pulled in both directions. And then there is us <laughs> in the middle trying to like, all oh, right. And I agree with you. I mean, I have my own morning practice for the past five plus years. And especially when he was little, you know, he would then come in and I'd be like, why are you here in my space? Why are you do interrupting me? You know, and at some point I was like, is this the practice? Like, is practice telling me to shut my kid out of my sight? And I was like, no, no, it's not. So I started inviting him, not literally inviting him, but I let him come in, talk to me, have something. And I would let him know like, well, this is my quiet time. If you want to sit down with me, feel free to sit down with me. Or if not, then I'll be there. I'll be there, right? And so that is like one of the initial thing, like, even if we have a practice doesn't mean that it's going to be isolated in out how it is right like we can't just shut the world out I mean, we can we can close our doors we can do all those things but we know for our children closed doors means you can open them right and so for us to understand that there are no limitations if it comes to our children they will get us exactly where we need to practice more and i think this is what i took away is the moment I get frustrated, I had to know that this is me who is talking. It's not him telling me that something's wrong with him. It's me being in the fuss. And so what I do, and I try, I'm not doing it all the time, but I try to let him know. It's like, oh, you know, mommy's getting loud right now because I'm just getting this thing done. I'm stressed out. I just want to get things ready i have to go to like you have to take care and there might still be a rough voice around it it might not be like oh my child please can you do you know like <laughs> i can't right like i am a very passionate and emotionally expressed person and so that would just be against me and this is another thing about mindfulness like i don't want people to think that when you practice mindfulness on an everyday and it's you know you're saying that you can't express emotions, you know, it doesn't mean you will say the right thing all the time. What it does to me is just to give grace is like the one word that I can keep bringing up It's like give grace to yourself that you are not in a great space right now. Give grace to your child that they might not be in a good space right now. Right. And 
let it go. Like that's, and one important thing that I actually wanted to say at first was just not take life so serious. <laughs> I love it. That's amazing. And I did hear, I don't know what year it was with the podcast, but I did hear that um, you had some mindful parenting. Didn't uh, you? Sessions. Yep. Sessions. Yeah. So, um, and then you speaking of uh, shutting doors made me uh, remember uh, how you shared about retreats and actually designating true time for that, um, like, disconnect to reconnect time is this something that's still part of your and again it's not the small daily practices that we can definitely dive deeper into but almost like that reset recharge you're unplugging in order to plug into source is this something that's still part of your life is getting to retreat so i just started recently i i remember about three four years ago I was at this summit, mindfulness summit, and I had the opportunity to ask a question to John Kabat-Zinn. And I asked him, if I pursue to be a mindfulness teacher, what is his recommendation? Or what would he, you know, tell me? And the number one thing he said right away is, go on an annual 10-day retreat. Like, you cannot consider yourself a mindfulness teacher if you don't do that. And that was kind of like a dagger in my heart, to be honest, because I'm like, here I am having taught mindfulness for the past two years or plus, and then obviously not including my yoga practice time. And I was like, I didn't do that. And then I was reflecting and I said like, oh, you know what? I'm not going to feel bad because I have a six-year-old child right now, right? And so it just reminded me that sometimes in life, there are certain things that work and some things don't work. And so last year, actually this year, six months ago, I had my first 10-day retreat since before my yoga teacher training. And, or was, no, it was after the yoga teacher training. So exactly 14 years ago. And it just is that reset that where you don't have to worry about anything i mean obviously you could still have thoughts about your family not being taken care of that that wasn't any thoughts that i had but it was really then this moment where you can just take care of what needs to be taken care of in that space in that moment and i can see how that really makes a fundamental difference because you then meet your everyday life differently additionally you will appreciate the everyday struggles you're having. Because obviously when you're in a 10 day retreat, you're also taken out of everyday, like you described, right? You're disconnecting from everyday, but then how do you bring that into your everyday? And then again, Grace comes in and says like, it's okay. You don't have to be the way you are in a 10 day retreat, but it helps your inner soul to just know that you're okay either way, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I remember going to study, not in a retreat, but to get my advanced yoga teacher certification in India. It was in the Himalayan mountains in Dharmasala. And I asked, and it was every morning at 7 a.m. chanting, eight to 10 asana um, service, 
uh, uh, philosophy, you know, the whole, the training, right? And I, we actually, uh, Sean and I owned our own yoga studio at the time, and I was able to leave, I believe it was a two-month period, eight weeks I was there, and eating <laughs> to this day, and I, I don't judge like food or diet, but truly the best I've ever <laughs> eaten to, like before or after, um, everything was just fresh and present and like almost farm to table-ish in, in a sense. And I remember asking my teacher as we were leaving, I'm like, how can I, you know, carry back this to New York, to New York city? <laughs> like, and I remember, and the response was, I was like, can I experience this there? And his response is, you're going to experience there, there, not this, there. Mm -hmm. Everything from air quality to food quality to noise pollution. That's also something I didn't even realize just living in the city and I'm in the suburbs too. I'm just like crossing my fingers. The landscapers don't come by while we're having this conversation. And there's there. So it, he was saying that it's, it's not the environment that, you know, <laughs> that was the answer was no. <laughs> and, and I didn't, you know, I, I didn't understand it until I went back and had to know that, like you said, mindfulness does not mean to be without the, what can be deemed or judged as like a negative emotion. And I say that in that it doesn't feel pleasant to feel certain things, discomfort and pain um, and the frustration and regret, resentment, shame. I can go into that list and I'm not deeming them as like bad emotions. Um, just like I'm not saying that New York <laughs> is not as great as the Himalayan mountains. Um, but it truly is um, an impossible comparison. So with mindfulness practice, you are exactly where you're at and you can make different choices, but we are not in control of other people, places and things, only of our own internal, internal and in somewhat external world. Um, so I'd love to, this is the part that I really wanted to make sure um, to touch upon with you. So we've talked about retreat and even an acceptance that it's not uh, everyone, everyone doesn't have this ability. I would question it if people are like, that's impossible for me to take this space and time. I think we put up a lot of excuses because it is scary to enter into, <laughs> you know, releasing all the things that make us us. Um, even when I I went to study in India, I felt like I wasn't a studio owner right now. I couldn't I couldn't manage things or you know know what was going on or who was showing up to class. Was anyone showing? You know, you're releasing. Um, I was not a mom at the time, but relationships. Just when you go to retreat or to train or study, um, all of those identities that we've become pretty graspy with get to be shed and that's scary. So for anyone who's retreat curious or just, you know, unplugged curious, notice what's coming up as an excuse. I do <laughs> because I have, I've yet to have that experience. Um, but I'd love to move to everyday mindfulness and how we can um, incorporate it in the day today. And if I, 
I hope you remember, <laughs> or I can remind you, you told a beautiful story about dishing. Um, I think you called it dishing with washing dishes. Um, and uh, how to bring mindfulness, not just to breath work or a morning routine that you, you know, create or develop or that a teacher gives you to do, but in the mundane, um, in not just the mundane, dishes, that's like worse than mundane. <laughs> <laughs> like a chore, um, a task, an obligation that has all this energy surrounding it. And when you expressed mindfulness in, in the mundane or in those actions, it seemed beautiful. I was like, I want to get home from this run and go wash some dishes. Um, <laughs> so would you mind sharing how to bring mindfulness to a dishwashing experience and also the connection with a uh, body that you shared about as well? Yeah. I mean, I, I want, I probably won't be saying it exactly how I said it back then. Cause every time I like when people say, Oh, can you say this again? I'm like, hold on. What did I just say? <laughs> it's like, okay, let me rephrase what it ends up being. Okay. So the first thing I want to say is like, yes, maybe you don't do the dishes. Maybe you are just putting dishes into the uh, dishwasher, right? Like even that we can use. And at the end of the day, it's for you to figure out how do you meet your everyday tasks? Do you meet them with dread? Do you meet them with just annoyance? Do you meet them with resistance? Do you meet them with just wanting to get rid of it, right? And maybe you just do it quickly so it's done and over with. And what I started to realize is when we go through our days that way, we're very goal-oriented, right? We're we just focusing on like what we want to see, like, the dishes, for example, we want the dishes to be out of the sink. That's our goal. And we're forgetting, and I, I and it goes to what I said about the teacher training and certification and anything in our life, like it goes beyond just our mundane and boring and not so fun chores, right? It can go into studying, it goes to work, it can reach all these other places because my thing and that becomes this part of who I am is really the the focus of the end result. Because if I think about me as a human and I think of the end result or the end outcome, that'd be death, right? I mean, that's a little harsh express, but that's what it is. Do I really want to focus on an end goal of something? If I look at it from that angle, I can then really look at the journey. So let's take washing the dishes right, as an example, because there, the, the time frame is a little shorter, it might be 15, 20 minutes. And so during those 15 and 20 minutes, if I go about these dishes in a way that seems like, oh, I just want to get it done. This resistance that I'm experiencing my body is so much worse than if I would just say, oh, Okay, let me like I, for instance, how I do the dishes, how I wash the dishes, like first I organize them all the same things <laughs> together. So it's nice organized and then I go about it. I first, you know, soap them all up then wash them up. Well, I'm not very um, environmentally friendly here, but that's how I do it. And so what I started to realize is if I focus 
on my action on my hands, how the water feels on my hand, how the soap gets on the plate, how I'm making sure that the plate is really clean, noticing that, oh, maybe I put too hot of water here. I need to cool it down a little bit so I'm not burning my hands and so on and so forth. In no time, I will have half of the dishes already done. Meaning if my focus is not so much on like, I wanna get it done and I have this resistance and this agony in my body, I actually start enjoying standing there and witnessing the water and the cleaning and seeing how I'm step by step getting closer to my end goal. But the journey to get to this end goal was so much more enjoyable. My body was able to relax. I wasn't like you did the breath work. You can even practice breathing right there. I, I'm lucky I have a window where I do the dishes so I can look outside and see what the squirrels are doing. Maybe the sun is shining. Maybe I see the sun setting. Maybe I start, you know, listening to music in the background. What I'm saying really is whatever you're doing, make the journey exciting. Make it something new. Make it something that you would enjoy so that the end product isn't necessarily what makes you happy, but the journey in itself and bring it back to life. If I take every single moment in that way, or at least pursue it, I will get to the end of my life and remember the immense amount of amazing moments I had that were in my everyday. That wasn't just heading on vacation somewhere on a plane, on a beach, or somewhere where I was with the best people ever, the best food I ever had, or the best beautiful environment that I had, right? I start noticing that actually everything around me is already what I'm seeking. And so the happiness is not created through the external experience, but through the internal experience and feeling how I can move from one task to another, from the beginning to an end, but not focusing on the end, but really on what's happening in between. Because then is what we do to regulate our nervous system is by letting it know that even filing paperwork, even taking care of accounting stuff, it will get done at some point. But how I meet it, see numbers for something different, maybe see like, wow, I spent so much money on this. Oh, wow, I can spend more money on food because I actually haven't spent much it starts to create stories within the things that we're doing, right? And so if we're so amazed by stories, create your own. <laughs> I love every bit of it. And yes, yeah, so I will link the other podcast because a completely um, new and different like explanation of this, like this dishes story. Um, the thing that struck me the most that you did include in this uh, telling and the previous telling was how the body transforms by the mind's ability to shift the experience. How the body can go from dread and from tension into ease and enjoyment just from the mind choosing or the pursuit of that was brilliant. The pursuit of because I, I'm like, I'm trying. <laughs> I'm I'm pursuing. I think that that's so it's exquisite for for this journey, right? For the the work we do because it is work and it is practice and it is presence and awareness. Otherwise, we would just be um on autopilot, which is 
most, it could be, um, as opposed to just being like angry at my dishes, I could also just be in this autopilot, completely disconnected um, existence. And then 15, 20 minutes pass, two hours pass, and I don't even remember where I was both mentally and physically in my body. So I, I really, it really uh, struck me to the core um, being in yourself. You uh, shared about the senses. So the things you're seeing, the, the sense of touch, so the temperature, what you're feeling, perhaps the smell of whatever you're washing your dishes with um, <laughs> the sounds around you. I think you had birds and you're the squirrel, like the retelling, the sounds around you. And then also in your actual body, right? Your Oh, um, I just, I remember you said the word elbow. <laughs> You're like, my elbow is doing this. This is so amazing. My arm is moving in just this way. The functionality of just existing and being present with that, uh, because I support people who struggle with their body image and image itself. The word image is very image, what you see right? As, as opposed to embodiment, being embodied, being fully embodied, being in your body, and not just while doing things like running, yoga, stretching, dancing, which I will uh, loop to that in just a moment, or just joyful, joyful movement, um, or even hard movement that feels challenging in a positive way, not like being, you know, ex, you know, working out, whatever. Um, but embodiment in the day to day, um, and to be almost in this presence with, uh, without judgment and with appreciation, um, of the, just the smallest, smallest things. Um, and I just think often, like, especially with like a hug or a touch and like what, what the arms can receive. And again, everyone is differently, you know, positioned with their senses. Some people, without sense of sight, have a more keen sense of hearing. And just, again, being in gratitude with whatever is present in, I will say, in sickness or in health, right? Um, and so so I love, I love that reminder. It's always a reminder, right? It's back to awareness. I love that you shared, like, when I become frustrated, I know this is my story, not my kid's story. But if I just like real, I'm trying to think of the best word <laughs> when you like explode in frustration. Okay. This is what I, I often say and teach is we have these whispers and when we get quiet, we can hear the whispers. And sometimes they're like, I'm really uncomfortable. I'm afraid I'm, I'm stressed. I'm and if we listen to them when we're whispers, we can engage and have a, a conversation. But if we're always ignoring the whispers, they become the screams, right? Or they become even like um, a manifestation of like yelling or becoming dysregulated or having that tone in the voice um, because something hadn't been addressed or listened to. So I love that you're like, when I, when I feel this, which requires um, awareness, right? To know that you're feeling this, to take those pauses and, and listen. Um, yeah, so I appreciate that. And I do appreciate just embodiment in, in your daily activity. And I learned <laughs> that you do have 
a dance background and I did notice that the photo you chose was not a headshot. And I wanted to like know why, what movement though, um, you don't regularly teach yoga or, or you were saying you um, didn't have like a daily practice. So why am I teaching asana? What is your, you can do past <laughs> if you want, or just present relationship with movement, mindful movement. You did share on a retreat, the mindful walking experience, um, which I have in peace in my podcast, I have guided walking meditations where I help people bring awareness to the five senses and to the body and the systems. So what is your, a little bit of your past and present uh, connection with mindfulness and movement? Well, the, the funny thing is that when I was talking in this other podcast about the experience in the body with the elbow and such came out, I just came out of a one day retreat online where I was practicing walking meditation. And that's where, you know, if you do this a couple times a day for a period of time, you start being more in your body and obviously noticing more the movements and also the you know, the gratitude for what our bodies do automated without us asking, lift that arm, move that leg, bend that knee, you know, like it all happens because something in our brain tells our body you're supposed to do this, but we're not really thinking this. So that's where, yeah, this all came from. And I remember why I probably was more intricate about the physical form there because it was just very present to me then uh and talk about mindful moon so yes the, the reason i came to the states 20 years ago was through dance i came here to attend a dance school and movement is you know and not as significant as i wish it was uh, i could put a little bit more effort in. I used to dance and loved expressing myself through movement. Obviously the yoga practice, I walk uh, pretty much every day. Just today, I was just tired of walking for the third time this week in the rain. So I was like, I'm skipping today. <laughs> but usually I take my morning walk that takes about 30 to 45 minutes, which includes a little bit of like uh, some stairs that I'm adding. So that's like part of my weekly um, movement in that sense and then what just happened recently is i had a dream about being a sub for a dance class and i had to create a choreography and i actually did uh, pick a song that was in the spring early summer la this year and so after the summer i was creating a choreography to that and um, I have a, a YouTube series called Languages and Emotions. And so what for me, mindful movements really are, and it's not just limited to, you know, the extreme movement, it's the daily movement, and just being aware of those movements. It's just how much emotions that we can express with it. And so in that Episode one, I inter integrated some of the choreography that I was making because I was like really determined to use this five minute song and do a whole choreography that I haven't done in a while. And I'm really happy with it. And the funny thing about the image I shared with you was last year, I had a photo shoot with my aunt who is a photographer. And I wanted to tell her that I want the images to express movement, freedom. And so that's what movement really is, is 
expressing the inner freedom that we having like i can tell you how free i feel but you won't believe me until you see it right and even myself and so it's funny when i look at these images like oh my god yes this is what i want to feel when i watch my choreography it's like this is what i want to feel and i want more people to understand it's not about the perfection on how something looks this is why I love this image because my leg is not completely straight. It's not really this, but it's expressing something from the inside out that I believe is what more people, that I want more people to learn because we are too focused on how someone perceives us, how they like or dislike us due to how we appear on the outside. And we are holding back what's really inside of us. And so for me, using dance, running or whatever movement is really another form of expressing how we truly are feeling on the inside. And we just don't have the words to meet what we're feeling. And so yeah, doing a 50k, congrats on that <laughs> is another way to really determine yourself and like, yeah, getting through something like this or 15. 50. <laughs> yeah, I was 50. And then it was I did some like, Google math after and I was so close to the 60k, but I don't know the mile kilometer thing. Um, but there was a lot of mindful walking. And I will tell you that I, like I said, 80% of my runs are my, my moving meditation. I mean, if I'm not aware, my posture is going to be bad. And my posterior tibial tendons going to be mad at me. So I need to hold my body in a certain way. I need to keep my breath really easy and regulated, or it, it doesn't feel good. You know, I have to, my mind is exactly where I am. And then the other gift is the nature is even if I'm in like my suburban area, there's, there are otters, <laughs> there's otters here in my suburban neighborhood. So, um, it's a gift to be in nature, but I was um, doing this 12 hour event and I'm like, I'm packing my aftershocks and packing my headphones and a friend of mine, a yoga student of mine, and also a runner is like, Oh no, just like be present. And I'm like, no, I do that. I do that like all the time, but this is 12 hours. You don't understand. I'm like, I don't understand what's, and maybe I suppose it was a retreat in a way, meaning a retreat from like, I did speak to people, but they were very brief beautiful interactions, not like chitter chatter. Um, but sure enough, I did not think of my headphones once and the removal of that type of stimulus from like music, podcast, phone, anything, um, time did, I don't know whether to say it didn't exist because it doesn't exist, but literally I was like, it's one o'clock. We've been here since seven. That's crazy. I wasn't, I imagined it would just drag on and on, but truly it was, you were, you are one with time because you're in the process, right? You're in, you're in your journey. You're not, a, and it's funny. I love the, the only end is death. So why like rush it there or why, or why not enjoy the journey there? And then I think of like the end of, like, I think of dishes death or the end of the race death is that there are small deaths every every day or every you know as as you train for something and then it's over um and then you get to be born again into a new journey so i really really love that um as we wrap up our time together you did mention 
your, and I will link everything, but I would love to give you some space to share if there's anything presently that you're working on or want to welcome people to check out. Um, This is some space (laughs) if you want to share the name again of the YouTube that you're working on, or I don't know if the, the Facebook group is open, but it's full of just rich, as you can tell from this conversation, just rich, beautiful guidance. Um, so yeah, I'll let you share anything that is present for you that you would like the listeners to know about. Yes, I'd love to. Yeah, I mean, yes, there is. I mean, I have a YouTube channel and right now it's just the, so Mindful Being LLC is the channel. So please subscribe. Uh, There are currently, I'm posting about this language and emotions in different ways where movement was the first one. Art is the, it was the next one. And I'm working on food where we just can embrace food in a different way. Maybe you're not into cooking, maybe you are more into eating, but like really embracing the colors that they are and finding the joy in making it and not feeling again, a dread of like, oh, especially when you're exercising, right? You have certain meals that you have to make and eat certain foods um, and not to feel like you have to, but actually enjoy making them. So I'm going to move people through that. And um, then I have like, I have a bunch. So yeah, be happy, be human, be happy, be you. But Facebook group is open to anyone. They can just join there. It's not a closed one. And uh, I have actually a book coming out in the spring that is named the same. Be happy. I mean, be human, be happy, be you, which is technically talking about my life stories and why I am here to teach you mindfulness because I use my whole life to be here. I mean, yes, my yoga teacher training 15 years ago was the inception, but in the end, it already started way before that this is how I am and who I am. I have not changed since I was little to today. And so that is really to signify that we already been that and maybe just the external world has made us be someone that we actually don't agree with. And yet we haven't found a way to do that. Uh, So that's that. And then obviously on Instagram, I'm always sharing stories almost every day, just what I notice in my everyday and where and what I'm doing. And the number one thing that I'm doing on a regular basis is holding meditations twice a week, Mondays and Thursdays at 8.15 p.m. Eastern time. And then I have workshops coming up here and there, usually in person. Uh, And like the next one is in North Salem, New York. So if you're listening and you're nearby and it's before October 7th, it's my first Emotions and Us workshop at a museum where we are using art. Like one of my episodes was about that, where we take in art and notice what I'm feeling, because my belief is what we're feeling inside, looking at an image or anything in the world is a reflection of who we are and how we feeling and what's going on in our daily lives. And just to emphasize how this is it. There's nothing else to it. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, of course. And this will all be in the show notes, the easiest place to find out how to participate and learn from Ajitsia. Um, I did mention in the beginning, if you're not uh, watching this on YouTube, just the magic in the background. So you just mentioned art. Is that your canvas in the background? 
Yes, I made them and I'm working on it. I, it was much better when I first started, but I just was so excited to paint again that I was like, oh, so I'm waiting to dry it. Yeah. <laughs> to describe bookshelves, lots and lots of books. I love the like garnet colored, maybe so fun blanket. I yep, see. Yep. Do I see trees without leaves? No, there is trees. There are leaves. Okay. Now I'm, um, and then candles lit art <laughs> so so come come again and, and visit on youtube and um one last little question if someone is interested or curious about how to start adding more mindfulness into their day just and I'm not going to limit you by saying just one thing but kind of in that realm of like what's the first step to living more mindfully more presently i would say pick something you enjoy on the everyday be it drinking a coffee or a tea eating a meal something very simple that doesn't involve other people and see what is challenging in being present with it what is pushing you or pulling you and can you just be there and enjoy the smell of the coffee the smell of the tea the taste of the hotness that warms you up or maybe cools you down depending which environment you're in <laughs> and uh, just take that as the first step to really connect to your senses love it thank you so much thank you for your time today thank you for always staying connected um as many I, I took two months off of social media and have my own like things that i find very challenging about it however it has kept us in touch all of these years i don't know if you know this you were the very first person to support my first of three children's books you were the first sale <laughs> so i felt very supported um and it's just been great to stay connected and see all of your offerings. And I am just grateful, grateful to have you here. So I just want to say a big thank you. Um, I know that we would, well, I'm not going to put words in or thoughts in your head. I would love to hear any takeaways. Would you, Radizia, if anyone has any takeaways from this episode? My takeaway is that it never ends. My <laughs> takeaway. If, if any yeah. If any listener has anything that you've gotten out of this conversation, feel free to share it with both of us, either of us, tag us on Instagram. You can, again, um, find Radizia in various ways in the show notes. And wishing everyone peace, power, and presence today.